Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. You're listening to the Fish Untamed podcast, your home for fly fishing the backcountry. This is episode 92 with Josh Miller on using competition to improve your skills. All right, cool. I always love to get a background on my guests. So I would love to hear how you got your start in the outdoors and specifically in fly fishing. Well, I guess is my mom when I was young and my dad were fishing uh, all the time. It's just a, a, when I was young and they'd take me out to the mountains, catch a brook trout in north central Pennsylvania. And it just kind of, you know, being young and being in a backpack fishing in the mountains or whatever, my family just kind of just instilled in me, I guess it was a fishing lifestyle from very young. And, um, just kind of grew with me until my teens and got into it more, uh, I guess, making the mental choice to go fishing on my own, uh, fly fishing. And, uh, my uncle taught me kind of the nymph fishing in the beginning. And I went from there to just be a crazy lifestyle. It's all I think about, dream about, eat about, you know, <laughs> it's just great. So do you still go after like a lot of, you know, wild brook trout in, in central PA? Because I feel like that's that's on my like kind of bucket list to go back and do, and I'm a little bit jealous that that's where you got your start. Absolutely, yeah. Brook trout are beautiful in PA. We have so many streams. Pennsylvania is blessed with just miles and miles of beautiful brook trout water, and I do it sometimes, not as much as I I want, but yeah, it's beautiful. It's great. So, um, what what's your like primary species that you like to target? If you have a single species, or do you have a a handful of favorites? I would say because of trying to be the best at what I do, I target trout and that being mostly brown trout and rainbow trout that's because we have an abundance of them in pa and that's abundance of you know in the united states but uh my target would just i mean any trout i love but i do like catching browns and rainbows when you say uh like in in regards to what you do are you referring to guiding like that's is that what clients usually want is to catch you know brown and rainbow trout and that's why you kind of have to cater to that um i think the reason i guided was because of my competitive background um so being uh, how I said I, I target trout because that's what I want to be the want to be very good at what I do so that's kind of you know what I mean I, I put the time into that where I think there's things you can learn being well-rounded you know like you pick fish pike and muskie you learn how to strip set better this species you learn something how to read water better but being to me like you know a couple people come to me they're like why well, like golfing fly fishing and hunting I'm like I just fly fish and usually just for trout because I want to be very good at what I do if that makes sense yeah, absolutely. I'm I, I'm one of those people that you just described where, I mean, I do really want to be good at fishing, but I also have, you know, three or four other things that I do um, probably just as like feverishly throughout the year. Uh, so I'm, I would describe myself more as a jack of all trades, but I do envy um, 
some of that like real heavy focus where you're, you know, all of your mindset is going toward one thing and being really good at that thing because I know I'll never be the best at any of these things I'm doing. Um, and I, you know, in some ways I, I envy that kind of mindset, that focus mindset. I think sometimes I'll miss out on things being that way, but it's okay. It's I, I, I enjoy it and I love what I do. That's all good. So tell me more about the the competitive fly fishing because that's something I've I don't think I've ever personally met anybody who has fished competitively before. So I I'm completely new to the whole idea of it. So give me like a from square one, like just the the basics of you know what goes into competitive fly fishing. And then maybe we'll dive deeper after kind of like a, an overview at the beginning. Sure, there's different I guess in a way there's different like leagues or different competitive mindsets or, or competitions. Ones are like you know like a, a one fly event you know, or like maybe use one fly for a session or the whole competition. And then there's more like s- localized, smaller kind of regional things. And there's um, like Team USA kind of events. And then uh, there's national events and everything. But so what I was a part of was the, the Team USA cycle where we would fish competitions and it's based on catching more like numbers of fish and size versus like how you're doing it. You know, some people are like, oh, is it like a casting competition or this? No, it's like, you know, getting down nitty gritty catching fish is kind of, you know, the competitions we were doing. And um, it was based on, you would, you would get like a little section of river and the river would be broken down into what we call beats, maybe like 200 yards long. And you just randomly get drawn a certain one, you get draw beat six on river A and then tomorrow you get beat 22 on river D, you know. And, and it, so, so the cool thing about it is you get locked on that one piece of water and you want to win, or at least I want to do well for my team's sake and for my own sake. So it pushes you to be an angler that could fish, uh, you know, something that you wouldn't regularly want to fish or wouldn't regularly be comfortable fishing. So it pushes you to have to do it because you're in that situation. And, and it pushes you to be uh, I, not just a better angler. I don't want to say it like that. I want to say it pushes your mind to grow deeper, to think things through at a different level. And that's kind of like, how it started for me. I definitely want to come back to this idea of like kind of using that competitive um, environment to to better your skills. But I kind of want to come back to just the like the logistics of it because like um, like I said, I'm, I'm totally new to it. So when you're on Team USA, I assume you're competing against other other countries. Uh, is does this happen like in a in an annual event, like a, a, an annual tournament, or how's it set up? So how Team USA works is there's like regional qualifiers. So so each time to it changes the cycles a little bit, but they're a two-year cycle. Um, you fish of various regional qualifiers in your region or in a different region. So let's let's just pick one of the regionals I tried. Um, let's say like Lake Placid, New York. I'm from Pennsylvania. So like I fished Lake Placid, New York, and maybe North Carolina, and then Colorado was a regional. So they would take three regionals, and you would take your points – so if like if, if you win a tournament, it's like it's someone explained like golf. I don't understand golf how they use the points, but you want low numbers of points. So when you when you're in a session and you win, you take like a, a one placing point. So the the whoever has the low amount of placing points at the end of the day has a better result at the end if if that makes sense. And then they take your points over the competition. And then you, you get um, invited to fish nationals and then they take nationals points and your regional qualifying points to make Team USA. It sounds complicated, but it's not. But uh, yeah, it's cool because there's only a few spots on, on the team and there's a, a good few people that try out for it. So it's kind of it's kind of cool. It's it's neat to represent, you know, the, the Team USA. It's cool. What what is the governing body? Is there like a you know you know like for example FIFA is soccer like who who oversees these like regional tournaments and then you know in the end Team USA? So there's a FIPS Moose, it's like a worldwide thing. I don't know I don't know where like the headquarters is. I, I I'm not sure, but there's different organizations that have different. And then there's different competitions that have different like rules and stuff for for things like size limits or dry fly only sessions, which is really cool, or lake sessions or but. Yeah, it, I don't know. It's fun. It's it's fun. There's there's a lot of like positive learn out of it. There is some negative at it too. And you know, as a whole, it's it's just I enjoy it. So what what are the positives and negatives? Because I, I can think of some in my own head of like what I would consider positives and negatives. But obviously, I have no experience there. So I'd love to hear from somebody who's been in it. Um, like what what are the ups and downs of it? Absolutely. If anyone knows me, they know that I like to just be. I don't know. I I, I live this stuff, and I like to share truths of things. You know, just like. The, the truth and uh and some of that's just personal opinion and some of it is factual things too but i think just 
camaraderie and the, what you learn as an angler is, is I don't, and no book can teach me what I've learned. It, it, at least I don't think it could, you know, and, and just the, the opportunity to fish with these people that are some best, the best in the world of what they do or the best in the world at showing that they can be that. Cause there's anglers out there that could whoop butt, but they just don't compete. And that's cool. You know, that's cool. That's, that, that's what they want. That's cool. And some of us want to compete. So, you know, to each their own. And that's what makes the world awesome. But, you know, some negatives, of course, we're fishing rivers that maybe someone wants to fish that day. And we're, you know, we're touching a lot of fish sometimes, which in a, in a sense isn't good. But, you know, and that's why I like to share a light on both sides to, to show that there's things that we can do better and things that we can learn from. And, you know, it's cool. When I'm thinking about what, like, what about um, competition fishing could make you a better fisherman? There's a lot of, like, different parts of it that come to mind. Um, you mentioned the beats where you're kind of forced to fish a section of water. I, I'm sure we've all experienced good and bad sections of water like a lot of areas i walk right past because i'm like i don't want to fish that and you might be forced to and you know that's a way to to grow obviously um but also i assume that like being around other people who are really good is going to teach you something um and also just being forced to have your primary goal for the day to be catching the most or the biggest fish um you know i feel like there's a lot of days i go out and i you know i learn something every time i fish but at the end of the day i usually have a good time if i've just like been out had some nice weather and maybe gotten a bite or two so it doesn't force me to really focus on catching the most number of fish possible um i can get a lot of things out of fishing that aren't that but that isn't really an option when you're competition fishing so how do, what do those things bring to mind like have you have you experienced any of these things or is there one thing above all the others that you think really contributes to like what you've uh, like gotten from the experience absolutely and i know there's people listening to that are probably like oh man like so just one of those another person wants to catch every fish in the river and you know I, I, that mindset is it's you can learn from things like that and it also can be uh, negative too you know I, I want to how do i say it I want to push myself to be good and, and, and learn as much as I can, but I also want to be a good steward of the river and, and appreciate things too, you know? Um, but you're right. It, it always, it isn't always about just catching fish. We don't, you know, and everybody does it for a different reason. Sometimes I don't go out to the river and my mindset is, let me catch every fish. Sometimes I don't even care to catch a fish, but people do want different things for different reasons. And I also think, and this might hurt too sometimes where People that catch more might have might know more technique to be able to catch more, and people that might not know that technique have the mindset they're like, "Well, I don't care if I catch any because they're not at that level." I don't mean to say that meanly, but it could just be true too. I mean, that's definitely true about me. Like, there, there's certain species I fish for a lot because I catch a lot of fish. It's like it doesn't require me to alter my technique, and I often have to almost give myself a goal where it's like, "Hey, for the rest of the day, I'm fishing," you know, this streamer that I've never fish before and I'm going to see if I can make it work and it's like I have to force myself to do that because if I don't I don't care enough about pulling every fish out of the river that I'll just stick with what I know how to do um and I, I know what you're saying where people will hear that and and think like oh just another guy who wants to rip every fish out of the river which I sympathize with um because I often have kind of a similar negative opinion of that but I think all these people would be lying if they said that they didn't want to have the skills to pull every fish from the river even if they chose not to you know if I could choose to have the ability to catch every fish in front of me, I would choose to have that ability. Whether I actually followed through on it, that's a different story. But um, I think I think you're right that there's a lot of people who might kind of scoff at that, but secretly they wish they could also do that, even if they chose not to. Sure. And I'm not saying I catch every fish in the river. You know, I'm just saying that there's definitely techniques set with, with a little bit of mindset change. And that's the cool thing about a, a compa- So let me step back one. You know, I... I, uh, I've been guiding for nine years. And the reason I started guiding was to, to teach what I've learned from the, my teammates and from, you know, traveling overseas and fishing with these awesome anglers. And then I fish with guides and, you know, there, there's two different mindsets in my opinion. There's like a guide and then there's instructor. There's two different things. And I like to consider myself an instructor, you know, to teach, to not, not, oh, I put you on fish. Yeah, that doesn't do much for me. It's, you know, what, what technique and how do I fish those fish better, you know, and that's kind of like what, why, why I do what I do, why I, what I've learned, what I've learned. I like to share that too, you know, if that makes sense too. Yeah, absolutely. Do you, do you prefer guiding beginners then if you view yourself more as an instructor than somebody who's just like getting you on fish? Um, I think even people that have fished for a lot of years, I could still teach something too of just maybe a different thought, thought process or mindset to, cause there's always something I learn from everybody, learn, learn all the time. 
And if someone doesn't have that attitude, you know, that's kind of a kind of a bummer to me. But you know, you can learn from anybody. Um, I do love taking beginners. I love it. I love someone who's like, because because they don't have any. Um, how do I say it? Like uh, set expectations. You know, when when the angler tells me, "Man, I just want to stand in the river and just like cast my line," I'm just like, "Oh yes, we're gonna have a great day." <laughs> you know, because because they, they just don't know what's coming. You know, we just have a blast and catch a bunch of fish or or don't or whatever. You know, it's it's all good. But I love that. Uh, th- this is making me think back. I used to do a little bit of guiding, and yeah, I would always be really excited when someone's like, "You know what? I just want to learn to fish." And I would be like, perfect. We can make that happen. I can guarantee that this is going to happen. But if they're like, I really want to catch like some giant fish. And I'm like, I don't know how to tell you that where we're going like doesn't have that as an option. Like, I, I, I want to set realistic expectations, but I don't want to make you mad off the bat. And so there's kind of that delicate dance of, you know, how do you show this person a good time when they are almost guaranteed to not have a great time based on what their expectations are going in. And beginners tend to have a mindset of like, I'm just happy to be here, which is such a nice mindset to work with. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's cool. I, I always um, like kind of screen all my clients prior to even booking them to see kind of what they want out of a trip to, to know if it is something for us as a, a you know, as like as a couple and it, it's neat that way. Cause you know, I have that ability and I, I like that to, to be able to kind of say, so if someone's like, I want to wet fly swing all day, I'm like, well, here's three guys that know it better than me. It was like, I want to learn the hatches. I'm like, well, here's a bunch of guys that know it better than I do, you know? If you want a certain thing, I can teach you that kind of thing, which, like I said, it kind of looks bad on me because I'm not great at everything. I, I put my time into being better at one thing, if that makes sense. So um, a couple more questions about the uh, the competition fishing. Can you put your finger on like maybe one of the biggest like learning moments you've had in that? Because we talked about how it's it's just a great place to soak up knowledge. But it, was there any like defining moment where you're like, oh, like I would have never learned this had I not been put in this situation like does anything come to mind um a specific skill or anything you learned it would be crazy and probably un- unreasonable and believable if I said tons because it's true tons and tons and tons and tons of things just like <laughs> incredible amounts but a lot of them were things that were so minute and small that ch- just changed a-, a little theory or a little just a little bit of mindset different it- it's not like oh it's a- this special rod it was never that or it's like this special setup it was never that it was just something like a little bit, a little thought of something or, or, you know, think like the fish a little bit or this or that, you know. Um, one thing in particular, I say, if I had to point down one that was kind of cool, when I fished our first, first nationals in Lake Placid and I was fishing with um, some of the, the, the Team USA guys and I did well in my session and the coach was kind of like, you know, debrief, debrief the um, – other other your other uh, teammates kind of what you did in your session and stuff so you know we have like three minutes or whatever real quickly because they're going to the session and i'm going to the next session or whatever we're traveling in between you know beats and i kind of blurred off like oh I, I caught the fish on this fly and i did this and this and they said you know like wait 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 we can only retain like so much information you need to like boil it down to what's important you know fly pattern is not important it's like where were the fish in the where were or what water type were they in and then shallow deep fast slow how do you approach it? Do you like tight line? You draw a dropper, you know, fly wise, like this person's going to be confident in his pattern. Maybe a pheasant tail. This is confident in a waltz worm. This one's confident in a rainbow warrior, you know, but that didn't matter. And to me, that was just like the fly didn't matter. Like, and then now, you know, years later, like this entire year I fished, I, I kind of made it a point just to fish like one fly pattern all year with all my clients. And we caught more fish than ever before. And it's, it's not the fly. It's the mindset of don't rely on your fly to, to be your change, change what you're doing before you're, you know what I mean? Like, and that it's just the way we try to think things through differently. I really like this kind of this like thought. Um, and I'd, I'd love to kind of explore it a little more. It's making me think of, um, so I'm, I also hunt. And one of the things I hear a lot from people I respect is that there's a lot of people who really think that the gear, like buying, buying gear will get you to where you want to be. Um, and what they, what people should be focusing on is, animal behavior, like getting comfortable in uncomfortable environments, um, learning to learning to move correctly, learning to sense things. And it, like all of these things, like, yeah, you can buy gear to make yourself more comfortable or make things more convenient for yourself, which will definitely help. But 
at some point the gear runs out like you can't buy any more gear that's going to help you you need to kind of switch focus and i feel like that's kind of a similar vein to what you're talking about here where yeah i mean everyone wants a nice rod everyone wants a nice reel and nice waders and you know all this stuff helps um no one's going to choose to have a a worse piece of equipment but at the end of the day you can spend two thousand dollars on a fly rod and that doesn't mean you're going to catch 20 times more fish than somebody who has a hundred dollar fly rod if that person with the hundred dollar fly rod knows what they're doing um and hearing you talk about like where the fish are in the water and stuff that's something I don't hear about as much when I'm when I'm reading or listening to like tips and techniques it's a lot of uh like flies and how you set up your stuff um and not as much kind of the the big picture view of like what what needs to happen to get a fish to eat right now um and then focusing on how you can make that happen is that like does any of that resonate with kind of like what what you took from that totally I just just wrote a book it'll be out in and in, I the next year. And that's a lot of what it is. I, I look at, and, and okay, let me step back one. There's going to be people that are like fly pattern matters and it definitely does. It matters in different situations for sure. I look at fishing as a 365 day approach for all the rivers. I don't look at like the little Juniata river or, or the, the North Platte on like Thursday, May 7th, when there's a specific catch. I don't look at that. I look at 365 days, wherever I travel in the world, I've caught fish in many, you know, 15 states or 15 countries, um, 30 states, a crotch trout. And, and that's kind of how I picture it. I don't, you know, worry about what's specific. I worry about finding where the fish are in the water and getting a good drift to them. There's going to be times where that's going to kick my butt. And there's going to be times where specific things are going to do better, but maybe in two more days, or if I just work on better drifts during that day, I'm going to still produce fish. You know, I think that's kind of a competitive mindset too. That's kind of where that came from. Um, cause you know, we travel from state to state and spot to spot. We don't know exactly, you know, the, how many legs are on the exact color of sulfur nymph of this exact, but you know, it doesn't matter to us. We're just kind of, I, I but I also take one step back. There's times when it does. I think, you know, when the fish are coming to the surface a lot more, you know, it might matter a lot more than when they're eating underneath, you know, and that's what we're doing most of the time. So as a competitive angler, as a, as an instructor, I like to put my time, my technique into what I feel like is the highest percentage technique. So everything to me is mathematical fly fishing. I'm, I'm going to go over where I feel like the highest percentage of fish is, with the best percentage of technique that I, that, and how they're like, Oh, well, how do you know what the best percentage? And that's just with time, time on the water with, with learning, with competing, with whatever it takes time, you know, and, and negative not catching fish is also learning. You know, people think, you know, I'm not catching fish, but that you're, you're learning, you're learning what's what, you know, and I go into my book a lot about like, you know, when you, when you catch a fish or you have a bite, you know, that's data. We use all this data mathematical to come up with more, um, theories on what's going on and what to do, how to change things. And I don't know. It's cool. I, I don't know. You're going to start getting me going. I'm going to get excited about it. So <laughs> I do. I get too excited. Well, on the fly pattern thing, I mean, there's a, there's a reason that certain patterns are kind of universal. Like, yes, there are specific hatches on specific rivers that you might go to that fly shop and say, I want the pattern that's been tied for this river because it's it's what works from 1 to 3 p.m. in this month, you know, every year. But there's a reason that the parachute atoms should be in every person's fly box across the country. Like that, it just works. And it, what you do with it is going to like make more of a difference. And there's a lot of those patterns where it's just you know, you could probably take 10 fly patterns and never need another one and still catch almost as many fish as you do now. Like if you know what you're doing with those patterns. Um, and like, I, I wanted to ask, like, are you more or less of a gear junkie then? Because I have to imagine that like in competition, you get, uh, you know, you get exposed to a lot of different types of gear. Um, you might have access to more gear than someone who's just, you know, doing it casually. Uh, but also it sounds like you are more focused on kind of the big picture. So I, I just like wanted to get your idea of, you know, how much does gear matter? How much do you get excited about gear? Um, I think good gear is, is, is good. Uh, you know, there's some good companies that make good stuff out there, but it's not, it's not a game changer for me. Uh, I think, you know, I could get it done with other stuff too. I can catch fish with, with, um, minimal stuff. And I really have tried to boil everything down to very minimal. If someone comes to my, my pack and looks in it, there's like, Oh my gosh, there's only like a couple things in here. You don't even carry a book bag. I now I've just go to when I'm guiding and fishing myself. I, I don't even carry a fishing pack anymore. I just carry a little CNF fly box with just literally just waltz arms and one dry fly in there for dry dropper. And and, and it like it's almost a bummer in a way because it uh, seriously the seriously like I want people to understand this like you and the listeners like 
I don't want to like make fly fishing so simple that it's almost like degrading in a sense for like everybody that ties beautiful flies and like mm-hmm. makes it beautiful because we can all make it what we want and that's what's cool. I don't like when people disrespect if someone likes to just fish a streamer, cool. That's their own thing. If someone wants to fish a dry fly, cool. If I want to only fish one stupid wall swarm forever <laughs> and I catch fish on it, whatever. You know what I mean? I, I just learned to fish it better, learn to focus on that. I like to tie a fly that takes less than a minute because I'm not afraid to cast it where to where the tree is. I'm not afraid to lose it. I'm not afraid. You know, I, I, I think I fish it better. I fish it with confidence. I fish it because I know it works because I fish it everywhere. And it, once again, it's not that pattern. Okay, let me take one step back. I was on this river in central Pennsylvania and there were sulfurs hatching. This kid I was with was fishing uh, this, this yellow nymph and it looked, yeah, the sulfurs were, you know, bright yellow, coming like crazy everywhere. And he was swinging his nymphs, tight lining your nymphing. And what I mean by swinging is he wasn't, you know, there's a lot of drag on his, on his setup with a heavy leader. And those fish were literally swimming like five feet to eat that fly. They're they just crushing it. I was fishing a wall swarm that didn't look anything like was hatching. But I was, you know, I wasn't having that that success. But if I would slow the nymph down, and that's a big thing in my book, I talk about how to slow your flies down all the time. You know, to me, speed is the number one thing now. You know, speed of my drift is the number one thing, and that's kind of like what I learned with indicators way back in the day. And I kind of forgot about that. I was worried about the flies and like my leaders and like my tuck cat, all this stupid stuff. Now I'm just like worried about the speed. How do I slow my flies down the most? So getting back to the story. It, the, the, this yellow fly was getting getting swung and it was just getting crushed crush 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 so many but i would just kind of you know not kind of keep up but just i was the old faithful work fishing my waltz worms and slowing my drift down if i could get it to the fish they would still eat it and i look at it this way a, 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 a simple nymph with not no frills and flashes just like a plain piece of pizza doesn't mean you love it but you're gonna eat it if it's there if you're hungry you know it's just something plain if flies with hot spots you sometimes might catch fish, but they're going to also spook fish. Flies with extra movement, sometimes they'll attract, but they'll also spook. Something that's non-intrusive, small, just, just plain and bland, can pass by a fish without spooking, then all of a sudden they eat it, in my opinion, more than something that might make the fish move, eat it sometimes, and then spook sometimes. Does that make sense? 365-day approach. Yeah. That's what I'm looking for. So long story short, I, I you know, consec- consecutively could just kind of catch fish all day where he was just catching a bunch. Then, you know, three days later, there's no sulfurs. He comes back with that, that drift, crazy swinging. Didn't, you know, no fish caught all day. I can just consecutively just keep kind of catching fish with the waltz from to me. Sometimes having the right fly in a bad technique can solidify bad technique because you're still catching fish. Whereas if you can concentrate on your technique with a fly that just works, I think you can learn deeper. Uh, does that kind of make sense a little bit? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it. this makes me think of, I I heard it recently. We were watching the Ohio State game, and one coach had said about another coach, just because you're on third base doesn't mean you hit a triple. Like, you could walk out to third base and just stand on it. And it, it's it's kind of what you're saying there, where you could get you could get a random bite on a fly, but it doesn't mean that what you did was what you should have done if you wanted to maximize your chance of success. Like you could, you can still occasionally mess up and a fish will, will bite, but that doesn't mean you should say, wow, I should be doing this 100% of the time because I want to catch fish again like this. It's like, well, maybe you would have caught five had you done something differently. So, and you'll, yeah. you'll never know that. You'll never know, yeah. you know, what could have been. Um, so you have to like take, you know, I think there's, I think there's value in, recording what what worked so you can kind of rec- try to recreate that in the future if, if you want to but also not to put so much stock in it that you're like well nothing else could have possibly worked because that did like there's you have to be able to see both sides at the same time totally we that was another you just brought to my mind a giant learning thing from team usa so i was with um one of my really good friends sean crocker he's been on team usa a bunch of times and you know we're practicing at this river and you know we're like oh this flies just we're just we're catching like crazy you know what we do? We cut the fly off. We change to another fly. No anglers would do that. But to us, we want to see what all works. And then the next one catches fish. Take it off. Then the next one catches fish. But, you know, then that shows us that the fly didn't really matter as much as what we're doing. But, like, a lot of anglers won't think, would never do that. Because that sounds crazy. But to us, you know, it's, a, it's not really about catching the fish in the moment. It's kind of just more learning and data. You would just want to come up with more data. You know, and, and getting back, I would like to take one step back for everyone that's listening. You know, I'm, all this I'm talking about generalizes about around, you know, using a long rod, a long leader with, with weighted flies. Just so that's clear to everybody. You know, it's urine nymphing. 
I feel like I can manip- I like to manipulate my rod angle, my cider angle, the angle that my flies enter the water and, and proceed through my drift. That those are the things that I am working on changing over fly pattern. And in, in doing so, that's changing the speed of my drift, where the drift is in the water, where it's in the water column, and those kind of things. That's what I'm worried about over fly pattern. If that's just so people kind of get where I'm because I kind of jumped into that without background data. I don't know. Well, I think it's applicable to other techniques as well. You know, it's not the same things that you're varying necessarily, but you know, if you're nymphing, you know, where is your indicator on your leader? How much how much how much split shot do you have on the end? Like are your flies tied to the eye or the bend of the hook and how is that making the the flies move in the water? Like there's all these different things with dry flies, you know, how much distances between your dry flies like there you know you could vary all these different things um so i know that what you're specifically talking about is is more related to your own nymphing but i think the the general spirit of of the point kind of applies across fly fishing um i also wanted to mention going back to your statement about how you know you don't want to make people feel like you know you're simplifying it too much and if you get in the weeds that you're doing it wrong um I think that's kind of the fun part about fly fishing is that you can make it whatever you want. You can add all the bells and whistles you want. Like if you really want to make beautiful flies, I mean, there's people who tie flies who don't even fish because they just love that so much. And if, if what you love is tying yeah. beautiful flies, then by all means. And if you, what you love is trying all your different flies and seeing what works, then, then that too. But, um, it, that's kind of the beauty of it is because everyone's getting something different out of it. You know, you can make the experience what you want. I think the point is that you don't need to do all these things in order to have success. Like you can do it very simply by focusing on a few key areas. Um, and if what you're focused on is catching fish, the bells and whistles aren't absolutely necessary to make that happen. If you have a good understanding of what you're doing. Yep. I think there's always going to be some outlier weird situations that change, you know, and, and as much as I put my finger on what I think it is, there's always going to be things. I'm just like, throw me a curveball all the time. You know, I'm always learning, always figuring something different out, but, but that's why I want to, that's so like, you know, like what you said earlier, you might, sorry, my dog's barking and I'm sorry if you can hear my son out there too, he's going crazy, but, um, you know, so some people might go to the river and it's expectations. That's what I mean. Some people might go to the river and just want to see like the bird fly. You know what I mean? Some people might want to see, you know, catch five fish, but what I like, and this is, this is Josh Miller. This is what I like. It's going to a fishery that I don't know don't know anything about it, don't care about the flies and going to catch and figure out how to catch fish in that situation. I know that's just what I like. It's what I like. I, it's just what, what gets me going. It's just, you know, and in my life kind of the reason I fly fish, there's, there's more to that. And, you know, my life has had some ups and downs. Let's just leave it at that. And, you know, fly fishing mentally, it's the only thing in my life that just takes, you know, all the pain of my whatever away. It's the only thing that just lets me be brainless and focus like I have a brain that just kind of goes constantly. And the only thing that can like, like, you know, like even right now I'm thinking about seven things, but when I'm talking about fly fishing, it's, I, 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 I just focus on fly fishing. So, you know, that's what makes me tick. That's what makes me just like love fly fishing to that degree because it takes my brain power away from everything else. And I can only focus on that. And I walk out like a new man every time. I'm just like, wow, life is good. You know, even if it's not, but I could still, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's cool. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV. Does your desire to solve the puzzle when you um, arrive at a river... Uh, stop you from looking up things ahead of time, like looking up what's working on this river, looking up what like works this time of year, or or what to expect. Like, do you do you prefer to go in blind just for the challenge of figuring it out from scratch, kind of as a like a practice? I I don't know if you still compete. I, I think I saw that you're a coach now, um, which I don't. I'd like to get into that as well, but um, just want to get your thoughts on whether that's kind of you know is that your goal to come and is that the, or is that the achievement when you figure it out from scratch without having to get prior information? Totally. Totally. The only things I'll look up is the, the, like, uh, so there's two things I'll look up, you know, obviously if the, f- the river's like flooded or whatever, yeah, you know, if it's fishable, 
And the only other thing I ask, if I could, and I ask a lot of my students this, like after they fish with me for the day and kind of like figure things out with me and start thinking, I'm like, you know, if I went to a flash up tomorrow and let's say Basalt, Colorado, or, you know, frying pan anglers or this or that, or wherever I was in the world, if I could ask them one question and, you know, I get all these things like, what would you, like the hot fly or like, what, what, what times the sulfur's hatching or like, you know, you know, the, the one thing that I would ask is, are they wild or stock trout in that river? Because that tells me how I'm going to approach it. That tells me, you know, I'm going to fish the, the the stocking points. Or if there's wild trout, I'm going to just go right to the the confidence water that I believe in with the, with my highest percent chance it, uh, technique that I, that I've done over you know the years of fishing for that specific, for wild trout in that kind of water. You know, so knowing what kind of fish they are is, is how I approach and how I move through the water throughout the day. And I kind of want my next book to be on that. Actually, like I want I want to write it. It's called it. Um, river tempo it's how i move through my day depending on different factors that the, the river shows me and one of them is fish species are they wild you know being wild or stocked are you able to dive deeper into this i don't i know it's gonna be different for every river like <laughs> what 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 good water like what counts as good water or where the fish hang out or, or whatever it is but yeah do you have kind of like a general blueprint of like you show up to a river for for the day and let's say it's a, a river you might be familiar with but you're not you're not an expert you don't know every hole and where every fish sits like it you're relatively new there how do you what's your blueprint for the day how do you go about figuring it out um what's going to cause you to move spots and change techniques and things like that like which was your overall plan that's a great question. I love this question. It's like one of my favorite things to think about because it's true. It's what we do. You know, what I do all the time is as an angler. So, you know, like I, I you say I, I'm in Bend, Oregon fishing nationals and I'm on the Deschutes River. I've never fished before. And I look at my beat and I'm like, there you go. The, the question you just asked is exactly what I deal with, you know? So first off, water stock trout. That's the first thing I think of. Second is what's the temperature of the water? Warm or cold? Is it winter mode or is it summer mode? So to me, I don't know if that's a true thing, but I think of are the fish metabolism, you know, above 55 to 60? Are those fish happily eating? Are they in the kind of co more colder, slower? So that tells me where I'm going to focus my time. I said it earlier, I'm going to maximize what I think is over the highest percentage of feeding fish. Feeding fish, not highest percentage of fish. So there's going to be times where there's a thousand fish in the slow, terribly hard water fish. Or there might be like 10 up in that water that's a little bit faster, but those are the ones that are eating. Those are the ones that are uh, more eligible to be caught, if I could, should say it that way. You know, so that tells me kind of, um, so if the water's warm, I'm going to go to water that is between, if they're wild trout, if they're brown trout, especially, if the water, the river's not giant or, uh, you know, and, and um, I guess it's the grade of water, if it's fast or slow to the river overall. But if I could, if I was driving up and down the road and I saw a stretch of river, Actually, let me, let me ask you this question. Would you rather fish one hole that has 100 trout, like a big hole with 100 trout, or 100 very small little spots with one fish each? The latter. Why? Because I think it would give me a more diverse like way to approach it. So if I shove it one and I can't get that fish to eat, then I can go to the next hole and try to get that fish to eat. Whereas if, if the fish in the single hole are not cooperating i'm gonna end up banging my head against a wall trying to figure out what to do when i'd rather move on exactly that said that said i do love trying to stick it out for like a single fish that i'm watching like i i will sit there and sometimes work on one fish for an hour and never get it to do anything and so i i do i do fall into that trap sometimes just for fun but i sure. would take i would take the variety of of runs with with a fish in each one I would exactly do the same. And the reason is I look at a hundred spots with one fish is a hundred first cast. Your first cast, your best chance. The first cast is that, that fish is seeing your fly for the first time. So your best chance to get an eat. And if you have a hundred first chances, you're going to have way more, way more success. Yeah, of course. So, so that being said, I'd want to look for a series of pocket water. If I can, if the water's the right temperature uh, from let's say shin to just below the waist is kind of my, favored water depth if the fish are in that and they're they're gonna feed to some degree i feel like if i throw a waltz worm and i'm you know there's i know there's people out there that are being like, not on my fishery they only eat midges size 26 and maybe the maybe they do a lot but if you find a certain water type and it's fast and they're they're gonna eat a waltz worm you know so but I, at least i would think so a lot of degrees but you know i would fish the frying pan and all these rivers with you know fishing these little bugs and they work and then you find a certain water type where the fish are a little more comfortable. And if they're not spooked is the key, 
you, you know, those first few drifts, they do eat, you know, little slightly larger flies, of course. I remember I was in the South Holston in Tennessee, and I was with John Hooper, a good friend of mine. Um, I was down there at the River Lodge, and he was showing me how he fishes it with, so it's, you know, 22s and 24s. And we were catching fish. We got up to this pocket stretch of water, and he's like, he's like, what are you going to fish here? And I, I, size, I put on a size 14 Frenchie, and he's like, that's way too big for this river. Way too big. And I kind of showed him tight line. I caught a couple fish, and I gave him my rod, and he made, like, two casts. And he caught like a like a 23, 24 inch brown. And he's just like, oh my gosh, he changed my life. You know, <laughs> I actually put the picture in my book, you know, because it's just like something he's been guiding it for years. And that's that. But my mindset was so different than his because I just come from a different background of it. You know, I think like this is my thought. You know, you go to the fly shop and they're like, you know, this is the hot fly. Well, everyone's using that fly. I don't want to use mm-hmm. that fly. I want to use something different. Yeah. The fish is seeing it. You know, that, that just, it's a different thought. It's just a different mindset, right or wrong. It might, it doesn't matter. It's just my, my way of thinking. You know? Well, that could be what, what solves it is like, maybe they, maybe they do tend to eat like the really small stuff on the river you were on, but maybe seeing something different is what triggered that fish to eat. Cause he's so sick of seeing the same thing. Like you, you will never know, but you know, it's, it's a thought. And I think thinking outside the box like that can be really helpful. If what you're doing isn't working, maybe try something that you would never have thought would work. And maybe it will like, you don't know until you try. So I mean, what's the worst that happens? It doesn't work. And then you just try something else. It's fun. It's all fun. And, um, you know, I want to also say that, you know, I think there's tons of ways to catch fish. There's tons and tons of ways. There's, there might, in in some situations, I think there's a better for, for numbers and maybe there's a better for a big fish, you know, like a larger fly might that in that situation, that fish might've been sitting in a place where a drift might just not have been possible. It might've been in between two rocks with fast current just on top and you, you just might not have ever got a drift there. But that larger calorie might make that fish just move up for that fly, might move out of this lane to eat it, you know? So but a little, little bug, maybe you would have caught three from that run and not that big guy. So, you know, I think there's just, there's a lot of techniques that work, but I always try to think as a competitor, what's my higher percent to catch more, you know, and usually it's not bigger, it's more, unfortunately, because that's just, that's what I like to do, um, to some degree, I, you know, and, um, it's just, just fun. It's just cool to, cool to go there and, figure out streams you never fish and catch fish on. I just love it. Do the, when they set the beats up, are there, uh, are there like intended to be some good fishable water on, like in every beat? Because I know some will obviously be, you know, better. I, I don't even want to say better because like maybe better for your style, like better for the type of fishing you want to do. Um, but can you, is it possible to draw a beat that's just like crap? Like this is all terrible water or do they kind of prioritize making sure that everybody has at least like something fishable? In, both both absolutely there's sometimes in the smaller ones with more regional events where they're going to take priority and trying to make it a little bit more fair and then there's times where it's a big field of anglers and it is what it is you just get what you get like someone will take 200 steps or 100 steps and then that's where the flag goes and then another 200 that's where the next flag goes it doesn't matter you know wherever it is and i and unfortunately i i got that we were at nationals in bend oregon and um we, I remember we, we got to the, the, the Deschutes River and we walked it and we're like, you know, beat 17 looks good, beat 14 looks good, beat 13, beat 9 uh, sucks, or this, this, this. We got to beat 1 and we're just like, oh, no, what happened here? <laughs> we're at the, 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 the draw the, the night before, so there's five sessions over, th- over three days, and the uh, supervisor said, we just want to say that we ran out of water on the Deschutes and we had to use beat 1. Whoever gets it, we're sorry. It is what it is. And I drew it last session of the last day most un- unfortunate most unlucky beat it took a it took a last place every session it took a last place there's there's one one fella who fished it um one of the U- u.s youth teams who was i think a scolder silver medalist and he took a last place on it and i took i went into it last place so i went in with a mindset different you know, cause I knew what I was up against. I went into a t- different, different approach than I would have on a normal basis. And, uh, I took, I took second place on that beat out of 17 anglers. Oh, wow. Because I went in just thinking, I just say, what do I do to catch one fish? And it was cool. So it was an even, I, th- I think it was an evening session, uh, or maybe it was a morning, but it was the last day. And the, um, my, my judge said, go start your session. And I waited. And my thought was, I'm going to wait for. It was the river was pretty small, so I was gonna wait for and there are brook trout, a lot of brook trout. So you know, having this little brook trout knowledge in my head, having 
that prior experience in Pennsylvania and knowing the wild fish. I let the shadows come over the bank where the fish were hiding out. So the shadows came out and then I started my session and there was only like a foot lane on, usually on the sides where, where there'd be shadow and I'd crawl up in the grass and I would make a cast and not let the fly hit the water until I was absolutely happy with the, with the, the spot. Cause so I, you know, as, as, as a guide, as an instructor, I tell of be in, have intention of where you put your fly. You don't just cast, you have intention of where you're putting it for a reason. Okay. So I, I my fly hits the water and I, I get my drift and I miss a fish. I won't cast back. A minute, two minutes, three minutes, just wait. Let those fish all relax and do the same thing. Come on the grass, just on my knees, make that cast. I get a bite, catch a fish. I go sit down for five, six minutes. Don't do nothing. Just relax. Take your time. I did that throughout my whole beat and I caught a lot more fish than I thought. I thought, you know, if I catch one or two, but yeah, I caught a, I caught a lot and it's somewhere in the teens. But you know, I thought that was just a, it was different. I've never done that before, but, but I knew what I had to do. And I knew that this, to me, this is the best chance if I just, take my slowest time and only fish where I thought was the, the highest percent chances. And, you know, just, I thought it was a cool story too. Yeah. What, what was wrong with beat one? Like, can you describe what type of water this is for? Cause it sounds like you made the best of it. So there were fish there, obviously. So I'm just trying to picture like what was wrong with beat one that made it so undesirable. In its length, there was only like two little spots that really had water that held much, many fish at all. It was oh, okay. very, just very skinny, just very, just shallow gravel, just not, not really much holding water. And at the top, I found some, some white fish, which, which scored in this really fast little skinny channel right by the bank. And they would just go right under the bank. You could see them just kind of slide under. But if you'd let them relax for a while, they'd come right back out. <laughs> you know, and once they come out, they feel safe. So first cast through, you know, they kind of would eat it or not right away. So what, uh, how did, or how does the water vary between, um, competitions too like is there some sort of standard for like kind of the size of water you'd be fishing uh, you know this is an extreme example obviously but like would you show up to the midwest and be told to fish the mississippi and then you go to pennsylvania and fish like a creek that's two feet wide or is there some kind of like a, a rough average of like the size of river that you're you're going after more so i think a lot of the places on the east coast it's more about um there might be like prime areas of water but we try not to use those waters because that's like where more anglers fish so sometimes it might just be more random, like, okay, this is like your B section of your good stream, which maybe is a certain width, but no, I wouldn't say there's, you know, so uh, it could be the lower Colorado river, or it could be, you know, a small spring Creek in Pennsylvania. Okay. So no, and that's not, so what the point of that is we want to be, we want to kind of sh- get a team well-rounded that fishes different places. Cause when you go overseas, you don't know what it's going to be. It could be a, a giant spring Creek, like, you know, coaching, um, the last time I coached in Poland, it was the sand river and it was like, you know, really wide and really skinny something. It, shoot. It was like the Mississippi river, <laughs> you know, if the Mississippi was shallow, it was like, that is crazy. So just being well-rounded on a lot of water types. And, and that's where that 365 day approach to mine comes from. You know, it's, it's, it's more about just f- figuring out where the fish are and, you know, figuring out good drifts and techniques to catch them over a fly pattern. How do you work as a, a coach now? Like what goes into coaching the team using what you experienced while you were competing? Like how does that transfer over to being a coach? It's it's uh, really, really awesome to work with these young men and ladies uh, that are just so talented of anglers. Um, but it's sometimes it's challenging because sometimes you go in this situation like we're and that's that in Poland and man, I've never it's just so unlike anything I fish, right? I was so out of, out of my place, you know, and that's where sometimes we'll, well, not sometimes, but we'll absolutely hire guides that are good at it. You know, we hired a guy that, uh, I don't know what his accolades were, but they were very high of competitions in this country. Um, you know, and, and that, we learned from them too. And that's cool. Cause I could take that information back and then apply it to rivers here. Like the techniques that we learned it's in, Sometimes these techniques are something that's are so game changer, but it's so little of a, of a spin on something that we already all do, or a lot of us do, but it's just a little way to think of it, a little way to adjust something differently. And it just opens up a lot more fish. And, that, and then the more that happens, the more we realize like maybe the fly pattern isn't as important, just like learning how to manipulate things in different ways are. Is that kind of the approach you take to coaching somebody? Because I, I assume it's not very useful to just tell them, you know, like, do this or like use this fly like that seems completely ephemeral 
Like, it's not going to work after today. I, like, I could tell you what fly to put on now, but that's not going to transfer knowledge to you that you can then use on your own. So are you teaching more, like, how to how to approach a situation? Um, or do you teach about, uh, like, here are experiences I've had and how I approached that? Like, what, you know, what does a, a teaching environment look like in this case? All of it. It's everything. It's anything that you can use in the situation because the situation is different every time. You know, and, and every angler uh, and every person learns different ways. So as a, as a, as a coach, I try to see what they're absorbing and, and try to change my style to, to match with that person. That's okay. hard at times, you know, because some people are just so boneheaded where it's so hard, to, <laughs> you know, just being honest, you know, so I, a lot of times I'll, I'll say on the river, I'm like, hey, like I can tell you're using your instinct, which is good, but turn it off and just use mine today. Cause that's what you're paying for. And that's what you, you, you're at least hopefully you want to learn. If not, that's okay. But you know, I can't do my job as well as if you don't, you know, listen to that, but you know. So it sounds like a little bit of both, like maybe outside the competition, it's more like how to like mindset, how to approach something. But when you're actually in the thick of it, it might just be, Hey, you need to listen to me right now because I've got this experience and I'm just going to tell you what needs to happen to make this work right now. I remember it was cool. There was an angler that I look up to very well. I don't know if he'll be excited or not about me telling this story, but he did really well. I will tell his name. Let's just say it at that. Very good angler for Pennsylvania. He was in a youth competition and he did, the, did kind of that. I watched the, the, um, the sector for multiple, this was in Czech Republic, last world championship. I watched the sector for each session. So it was like, I think it was one of the last. And he's like, I was like, what are you going to do? T- explain to me. And he's like, I'm going to do this, this, this. I said, that's great. I said, um, he said, what do you think I should do? And I was like, well, I think you should do this. And he's like, you should, really? It's just something that he's never done before. And it's hard to tell someone to do something. Maybe ne- not never done before, but never like confidently in a session. You know, that's yeah. a, a different degree. And I said, you know, do this with a, a bright orange. Right, we were using like these little pit, pit, peach jig streamers. I said, you know, fish it this way. And it was like first cast. He, you know, he hooks on. He looks at me and just like smiles, you know, like. Holy crap! This is you know he, he did he did awesome, but he believed in me as as, as his um, mentor or helper or whatever in the moment because he knows that I want him to do as best as possible too you know mm-hmm. and and sometimes that's um, sometimes that's I don't think a coach is to not tell him maybe how to fish but just believe in them say so, yeah, you know I believe in you I believe you could do it um, you know e- each kid kind of or each adult young adult needs their own encouragement in a way too. Sometimes it's maybe focus, maybe they won't see something or I'll see, you know, focus on this water type, but a lot of times they know how to fish. They're, they're great anglers, especially in this, in that situation, in a world championship, they should already be polished where we're not teaching them technique. It's they're you know, should, should be comfortable with those situations and maybe just a coach in that manner is just to help them get to their beat, you know? So each situation is different and it's really cool because of that. You know, I love it. And you still coach then too? In addition I'm to guiding? A, I'm, yeah, one of the instructors, one of the managers, one of the coach. Um, yep. Yeah, I've been there. I think I've been doing it for around nine or 10 years now too. Oh, cool. So that's been a while. Yeah. So I'm, I'm sure a lot of this has kind of come out as we've talked, but just to kind of wrap up, do you have any like advice you would give just having had such... Um, a rich experience doing this both as a competitor and as a coach like I'm sure you've had exposure to more situations than most people will have in their entire lifetime do you have like one piece of advice that you would give just as kind of you know a culmination of what you've learned that you think would make um, everybody regardless of what they're going out for um, just a better angler overall first thing that comes to mind is, is go with people and put around surround yourself with people that are better than you and know how you learn if it's listening to a podcast, if it's watching a video, if it's going on the water, learn how, know how you learn best and go and do it and go and put the time in, put, put, put some money to it. You know, I was grew up without very much money. I still don't have very much money, you know, but I know that some things have so much value and time in that it's worth it. You know, so I think that's, that's just a, it's, and, and no, I, it's hard for me to say that because I am, a, you know, that is my job, you know, teaching people, but I really think that that is the best it's one of the best ways to learn. Um, and and uh, another thing is there's really good guides and stuff out there. I, I you know, I want to think the best of everybody, but before just booking guides, talk to people that you trust in your area, ask, ask who they, they recommend. I think that's really important too, but yeah. not to undercut anybody just to, I think that's important. 
Well, it, it might even be a matter of like, do you mesh well with the guide? You know, maybe the guide is, is better at um, not like working with beginners because they're just, you know, they, they want someone who's got more of an experience and somebody else is going to really thrive with somebody who's never picked up a fly rod before. And so it might not be a matter of who's a better guide. It's just who's a better guide for for what you're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's, I don't know. I think there's just, especially Pennsylvania, we're blessed with so many good waters, so many good learning opportunities. And there is a lot of really good guides here in Pennsylvania. It's it's a really awesome state. If anyone's ever interested to come out here, um, it's pretty great fishing <laughs> at times, for sure. Well, this is a good opportunity. Go ahead and uh, plug. Uh, I want to hear about your book coming out. Um, what you know, what when it's going to be out, what it's called, uh, and then where can people find you if they wanted to come fish with you, book a trip with you, um, find you online. Where can they do that? Yeah, my book. It will be. Um, published through Stackpole Books. It would be your nymphing tips, uh, tips, oh my gosh, I don't remember. <laughs> tips, <laughs> tactics, techniques. I know it's so bad. The three T's. Yeah, it's so bad. Oh man, the, the, I should do a podcast on writing a book because that was the most insane, crazy, um, liberating, terrible thing I've ever done. <laughs> it, was, it was just, uh, I don't know, crazy. Um, so I'm still fried, but uh yeah, so that'll be out pretty soon. I'm excited about that. I hope it goes over well. And if it doesn't, I'm just excited to do it. Um, so troutyeah.com is my uh, guide service. I'm in Pennsylvania, mostly central Pennsylvania, the limestone belt, the wild trout streams out there. Just beautiful fishing. Beautiful. So you were from Pennsylvania too, you said earlier. Yeah, yeah, from uh, the western side. So I, I didn't do a lot of trout fishing there. Um, I think I maybe caught like one trout in Pennsylvania before I moved out here. But So I did a lot of like smallie fishing, smallie, walleyes, stuff like that, pike um on kind of the bigger rivers less so the the small trout streams. so i it, i want to get back and like spend some time on the trout streams because i've heard so many amazing things since i've left and i've come out here and really gotten used to the western fly fishing but i'd kind of like i it'd be so fun for me to go back and spend like a month just kind of experiencing that at some point i think it'd be a, a fun just experience absolutely yeah it's just so great here and each stream kind of has their own like little it's their own little gem you know their own little thing that makes them special yeah, I, lo- I just love Pennsylvania. Yeah, it's it was a great place to grow up. It was like an outdoors person's, like it, it was good for an outdoors person to grow up there for sure. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, that, I'm working on that, doing some shows and uh, do hopefully some good clinics with the US youth team. If anyone's um, under the age of, uh, what is it, like 13 or 14 to 18, we have some really good clinics and opportunities to learn. So George Daniels, now our head coach. Um, George Daniels is just amazing fisherman and mentor is an awesome ambassador to this sport he's just just one of the best dudes and uh he's he's now the the head coach of the the us youth we're doing some clinics in um north carolina pennsylvania uh hopefully out west so if anyone's listening wants to do that ever um it's just a great way to learn from coaches that are you know just really 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 good anglers yeah, I mean, like we talked about today, whether you're in, into the idea of competition or not is kind of a personal preference, but um, it, there's no denying that being in competition fishing is going to make you a, a better angler. Like, there's there's no way around that. I'm sure that every single person on that team would outfish me 100 to 1 if we went out on the river together. So it's I, I can definitely see value in it if someone is in that competitive mindset, to, if they want to become a better angler, to to go in that direction. Yeah. And even if they don't compete, that's not, you know, that's okay. It's not about that. It's just learning, learning new cutting edge techniques from people that are doing it at the high, at very extremely high levels, you know, and it's crazy. You know, another, another thing that um, I see in this industry and I'll hear day to day is, you know, we've been doing that urine thing for many, many years and it is a little different. The stuff we do is our mindset is a little different. You know, iPhone six isn't the same as the 14, you know, think, Things change over time. Techniques change. Mindsets change. Yeah. You know? So there's things to learn uh, every day. If you don't have that attitude, you're going to be kind of uh, left behind a little bit. Absolutely. Well, Josh, I will let you get going, but I think you've inspired me to maybe like force myself to, you know, approach water a little bit differently. Like kind of treat it as a, a learning experience, even if it doesn't look like, you know, the best water I would want to fish. Um, you know, maybe turn it into a personal challenge and see if that can just kind of make me a more well-rounded angler. I think you've maybe inspired me to do a little bit more of that this coming summer. My last tip I'll give, I always try to get one fish under the belt first, right off the bat, just to give confidence for the rest of the day. That's like, I'll try to go to like that juicy, sweet looking spot first to get one, then go to that crappy water. You know, just so you have confidence in what you're doing. 
know, always just put one in the net because then, you know, it's just like you feel good after that. So yeah, that's my last piece of advice. Anything else is just a cherry <laughs> on top, right? Just gravy. Yep. All right, Josh. Well, uh, this is super fun. I'm sure we'll talk again and maybe I'll see you at some point when I come back east. I love it. Thank you so much for being a part of this. This is so great. All right. Thank you. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Uh, Don't forget to head over to the website, fishuntamed.com, for all episodes and show notes. And also, please subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. That'll get my episodes delivered straight to your phone. And also, if you have not yet, please consider going over to Apple Podcasts and leaving a rating or review. That's very helpful for me, and I'd greatly appreciate it. Um, Other than that, thank you guys again for listening, and I will be back in two weeks. Bye, everybody. I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. For even more content, be sure to watch the original films from HuntStand Presents on the Waypoint TV channel every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Visit waypointtv.com to learn more. You're listening to the Waypoint Podcast Network, brought to you in part by HuntStand, the number one hunting and land management app.